Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 245, covering Projections and Elogium. Hi friends, it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded and I think we forgot how. Yeah. I'm I am talking to you live from my new apartment in beautiful Milwaukee, Oregon. Milwaukee's not in Oregon, Matt. This is a different kind of Milwaukee. You're like those people who think that Vancouver's in Washington. Well, it isn't. No. But this Milwaukee is in Oregon. Do they make beer there? They might, but I mean it's Portland adjacent, so they make beer everywhere. Oh, right. I got you. And they got mustache wax. And yeah, mustache Charlie wax. One, two, three. And and unicycles and like. And paracycles and digicycles and restaurants that serve only beets. Restaurant, yeah, that was a fun day. Was it? We got beets. I don't want beets. Eat this beet. <laughs> yep. Well, you got a cheeseburger, yes, but it's made of beets. That's not a okay. cheeseburger. That's a that's a cheese beet. <laughs> no, the cheese is also made of beets. Damn it! This don't e- don't even ask those... about the buns. <laughs> This is going to be one of those episodes where we're probably not going to talk about the episodes much because uh, we'd rather not. Yep. It's all, it's also Halloween. I figured you'd go into the second part. Yes. I feel like I'm playing... Um, is it Donkey Kong Jr.? Donkey Kong Jr.? Donkey, I think it's Donkey Kong Jr. that opens oh, um, the Oh, uh, fuck. Yes, it is. No, 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 that's Donkey Kong. Anyway, Matt. That's that's some good music for Let's Talk About an Episode Written by Brandon Braga. Oh my god, you which are not after, wrong. After, uh, by the way, a couple of listeners chimed in and said they particularly enjoyed my screaming rant last week, so thank you for that. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. And, and I gotta say, like, we both get to take credit for that, because I wrote... A half decent one, and Matt's like, "No, no, you got to punch that up. You got to make it angrier. You got yeah, if you're gonna do that, you got to really do it." That's the meat, man. You got to sell that shit. And you were right, because that's people seem to enjoy that. So mm. that, this is why we work well as a team, because I had the the spark of an idea, but you you made it better. Yep. So uh, see, I complimented you there. Oh man, and you yeah. recorded it. Yep. I'm sure gonna did. listen to that to sleep tonight. <laughs> Matt, you're good. You're a good I, person. I didn't say that. Uh, well, I said, could you? I said, you had a good idea, and we good, work well together. Good enough. Good that's enough. About, that's about all you get. But my my point is, we we finished that, and I always try to get these episodes out of the way as early as I can. Like mm. as soon as we wrap recording, I watch the next two, and just just to get it done. Yeah. And like, so I did that. You like, we recorded our supplemental and and the live show, and then you went home, and the next morning I watched these two, and the first one comes up, and immediately the credit comes up written by Brandon Braga. Mm-hmm. Like, God, God, what the hell? Why would you do this to me? What kind of a god would allow this? But what kind of a show would allow the same writer to write like two episodes within, you know, like I think he wrote one, then skipped one, then wrote another one. Like, I, I want to write more episodes. I got more that, ideas. Is that what you imagine he sounds like? Yes. All right. I haven't heard any interviews. Prove me wrong, children. Well, all I got to do is go on YouTube and. I find... got I got ideas. All of the ideas. I found but... out. Um, I was cruising around Netflix and there was a show called Salem. I kind of wanted to check out because it's you know a horror looking show. Mm. And then I found out Brandon Bragg is a showrunner for it. I was like, nope. Yeah, he did some. He's done a bunch of stuff in the last little while, yeah. like a bunch of shows that haven't gotten off the ground. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, a show about magic witches and ghosts is definitely better suited for his. Uh... Yeah, if that's what he wants. To, except then he's probably trying to bring in warp engines all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, I think this show needs more hard sci-fi. <sighs> I'm Brandon. <laughs> I don't think that's what he sounds that's like. Exactly what I sound like. <laughs> you sound like who do you sound? You sound like somebody for sure. <laughs> kind of like um. Uh, Stan Freeberg, but you probably don't know who that I is. I don't know who that is, but I probably know someone who was doing an impression of him on a show I watched or something. Yeah, well, there's there's the super ego character, but I can't think of, um, I can't think of where that character is. Oh, yeah, my name is Janice. <laughs> uh, That's it. <laughs> right, okay. 
okay. That's the one. Yeah, okay. Now, I know what you mean now. Yeah, exactly. They're, Janice I'm pretty Koch sure. or whatever. Yeah, they're, I'm pretty sure they're doing a uh, doing a um, Stan Freeberg impression. Yeah. In any case. Oh, oh right. <laughs> as we've now not talked about Star Trek for five full minutes. No, all I got is Diet Sprite. Why don't you tell us about projections? All right. So the doctor appears in an empty Voyager in the middle of nowhere. What's happening? Where is everyone? Who will state the nature of the medical emergency? The computer tells the doctor that everyone has abandoned ship. So the doctor, so the doc prepares to shut himself down for all eternity when Bolana appears. Doctor, something has to be done. The Kazon attacked. Why is that my problem? The doctor asks. I'm a doctor, not a guy who does non-doctor things. Throw Tom Paris at it. <clears throat> But no, it turns out that Anna and the captain are the only people on the ship, and somebody dropped a, in a bunch of garbage on Janeway. Doctor's able to go down and save her by reminding her that Aunt May needs her medicine until Janeway can lift the heavy machinery. Anyway, while doing some scanning, the doctor realizes something shocking. The computer is identifying him as human, and everyone else on Voyager is holograms. What? I know! I thought it was stupid, too! <laughs> then Reginald Barkley, late of the Enterprise and fighting werewolves, appears to drop some two truth bombs. It turns out that you were the human, Doctor, and this entire Voyager expedition was the hologram. Also, Swamp Thing was never human at all. After that, there's a little running around, a brief flashback to the first episode, because that's something I needed to be reminded of, and then a lot of re-explaining the premise over and over and over again. Eventually, Chakotay appears to convince the Doctor that he's not a hologram, and Reg is the hologram, and... <sighs> Look, it all pretty much works out, okay? It's stupid, and it's trying to be confusing, and it's dumb, but it pretty much works out okay. The end. Well, I mean, again, guess who wrote it? Did I miss anything? Any important details where no. they endlessly explained what was happening over and over again, and then they disputed of... the fact that that was what was happening, and then someone showed up to explain that it was what was happening? But that's one of his tropes. <sighs> Is not not just that, mm -hmm. not just constantly explaining, but also it still doesn't make any sense. No, like you can explain it thirty times, but it's still stupid. Yeah, you made a really good point while we were watching it that like it feels like he thinks he's ratcheting up the tension, but yeah. all he's really doing is just saying stuff you already know. Yep, and uh, we both mentioned this in our notes that like how does every holodeck thing the only way to get out of it is to get to the end i'm really tired of that as a concept bob had a great idea i don't know if we talked about this on the show or not but I, yeah all... he was the one to bring it up to well, bring it up you're right okay um but the idea that all holodeck simulations you just have a big fucking red button that you can punch when you yes. know uh crew members start being downloaded into the system or the gangsters start firing real bullets mhm mm or Grendel starts capturing people. Grendel starts something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when Grendel becomes involved, it's time to turn it off. When Grendel, when Grendel starts some shit. Just, it's time to go read a book. You come go outside down, and play. You come down to Grendel's place and talk to Grendel like he ain't here? <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. I was the first monster. I just, I can never not picture Grendel as Miss Grundy. In my in my like <laughs> tiny child brain, I, they just they conflated those two things and they stayed conflated forever. Jughead, why are you eating hamburgers in math class? Why are you? Have at the monster. <laughs> why are, why are you teaching math in my hamburger eating class? Touche. It's my it's my uh my six panel Jughead strip. If anyone was wondering, Archie Comics, call me. I know you guys are relaunching all your characters. I think I can help. Jughead in Burger Boggle. <laughs> you gotta have a title like yep. that. Yep. I'm pretty sure they should call us both. Yep. Uh, so my bad thing. Our Reggie series is gonna kick ass. <laughs> we'll base him off Tom Paris. Oh, God. <laughs> I never pictured him that bad is the thing. <sighs> I never pictured anybody as bad as Tom Paris. No. Although in our next episode, I believe we will find that uh, Neelix is as bad as we think Tom Paris is. Absolutely. <laughs> but we'll get there later. Yeah. Uh, my bad thing for this episode. Yes, please. Okay. We're talking about all this Braga stuff while we're on the subject. Mm -hmm. We really are like, and, and everything you said in there is a lot of what I said last week about, you know, all his standard things. But really, there's an anomaly. A spatial anomaly is what causes this problem with the holodeck. It sure is. Which leads to a holodeck malfunction. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an appearance of someone from the Alpha Quadrant. Yep. 
who like the show the whole premise of the show is we should barely if ever see people from the alpha quadrant kind of the point and we have a blow your mind mystery which mm-hmm. really is supposed to challenge your your perception of reality when you realize oh wait a minute the doctor's not a hologram at all everyone else is a hologram this is like a voyager bingo this is like all the terrible things that this show does like this is the kind of episode I expected when we started, and I said, oh, they're all going to be terrible. Yep. They haven't been, but no. this is what I expected every time. Yep. No, that's that's five in a row. You get the toaster. Yeah, hooray. Bing-out. Ex- I got the bing-out. Except it only makes, like, haunted hologram toast. Oh, man. Which is the worst. No, it just, like, there's nothing original in this. Most of it felt like frame of mind. Yeah. Now, to remind people, Frame of Mind is... The next-gen episode, which I'm pretty sure Braga wrote, Mm -hmm. uh, featuring Commander Riker, who is rehearsing for a play, but then he can't tell the difference between the play and reality. Yeah, it's a lot like that. It's also a lot like uh, a couple of Barkley episodes. It is. Well, Barkley's in it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Yep. I... I really wanted to say that Barkley was going to be my good thing because I thought it was nice to see him again, but he's in this for a couple of seconds, and it's not great. No, he's in it for longer than that. Mm. I would say he's in it, like, there's a lot of scenes where the Doctor's really only got him to talk to. Yeah, it's true. But, like, I just, my first reaction is, oh, Barkley, I liked him. And that's like, oh, wait, no, I liked him in the first couple of episodes. And then he began to wear. Yeah, and the thing is, when we talked about his initial appearance, and I didn't like him and you did, Mm. and we kind of debated that, I realized my opinion of him was clouded by his later appearances. I just like, I already had my mind made up because I knew what he would become, but you, I I can see that you're right. That the first time or two having that nervous shy guy on the ship who kind of fucks things up, but really has a good heart. Like that's not a bad character. No, mm, but I mean, he just shows up and it's like, first of all, it feels like he was only picked because like for the shock of having a character from, uh, there's some of that. There's there's some of that, but there's also um, the fact that we're dealing with holograms, and who's our hologram character? Why mm. it's Barkley? Like yep. really, there's no one else in all of Starfleet that knows about holograms except the guy who got caught having sex with his crew members, like fellow crew members in the holodeck. Yep, he's the only one. I do like the idea that uh, after the uh, eventually on the Enterprise, he's just like, you know what? I gotta not be on here anymore. I gotta follow my passion. I'm going to work on holograms so I can have sex with them all day if I want to. Yeah, because, I mean, he's already got the engineering background. Yep. If he takes a couple of, like, specialist classes, then that makes him a hologram, like a holodeck expert. Yep. Or a holodexpert. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, it does make sense that he would be that guy. It just doesn't... In this episode, it's not... I don't know. It's not... I just... They, like... It just feels like a studio thing or something. It's like, ah, you guys should bring in someone from uh, Next Generation. That's the popular one. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes that show. Well, and speaking of that, mm-hmm. this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yes, it was. Who was, I would say, of the actors who directed mm-hmm. one of the best. Directing like, in, the, in this, I thought was, you know, I don't usually pay attention to directing, but I thought it was pretty good. I'd say I often do, and I didn't, the first time around, I didn't notice anything. The second time around, I did notice some cool angles and mm-hmm. stuff. I like the um, the opening shot of the doctor just appearing in the middle of empty sick bay. It's kind of a yeah. good. It's kind of a good shot, you know. No, and there's there is some good composition stuff. Like this is before first contact, and yeah. you know they gave the guy a movie and it did well, and they gave him another movie and it didn't do so well, and that's it, and he never mm. directed again. But we, we're in that brief period where he's still directing for TV, and it was nice to get him. I just he's wish still he's still for... working. Yeah, this no, no he, I know like, he is, but oh, okay. I'm saying in Star Trek. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because, like, he directed a couple of DS9s as well. But once he did features, that was it. Mm-hmm. Like, he went on to other stuff. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was all right. But yeah. it, Barkley just... Uh... He just does his Barkley thing, you know? And, like, it's not even him. No, it's just a fake him. Yep. Which doesn't really make sense when you... And once again, the way Braga writes episodes, when you stop and think about, okay, why is Barkley there? And it all ended up being... The ship went into an anomaly, and the doctor imagined all this stuff. Yeah. That's what end- everything ended up being. So when you break it down like that, it doesn't make a lick of sense. No. Well, at it, all. there's even a, there's a moment at the end where um, 
where the doctor's talking to Cass and he, you know, she's like, well, maybe the you, the computer was subconsciously, you know, maybe you're becoming more of a person. It's like, no, that's not how computers work. No. If a computer is not functioning well, it doesn't get, it doesn't get, make a fantasy for itself. It just blue screen of deaths you and then shuts down. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't make sense. A lick of. Yeah. No, no sense. sense. No yeah. sense. Nonsense. Uh, yeah. But not even, once again, not even in a fun way. Yep. Like, if, if you want to just go stupid, I'm okay with stupid if it's fun. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. No, it's, it was the, it's just this is a bad. boring fucking episode. Yeah. Because it shouldn't just, be. No, it, like. It's one of the best characters on the show. Mm-hmm. If not the best character on the show. Absolutely. And certainly one of the best actors on the show. Mm-hmm. And, like, well, okay, but. What so? What they should have done with this episode is instead of Barkley, they should have had Cass be the one that was like telling him to shut down because this episode is apparently all about him be, being in love with Cass. I don't know that he's in love because I don't think he's quite capable of that yet. Well, he's but got I, some kind of affection for Cass. Yeah, It'd be like, a good way to strengthen those characters' relationships and well, yeah, give also Cass because... something to do. Also, that's the person he spends the most time with. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'd be much more interesting to see, you know, the, what what I would say is his best friend on the ship trying to tell yeah. him to blow up the station instead of some dude he has no connection with but is only there because of the connection we have with him. You're still calling it the station. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to take some time. <laughs> yeah, I understand. It took us time to do it the other way around, too. We called yeah. DS9 the ship for a while, yep. too. Just hard to shift gears. Um. No, and there actually is a cute moment where he, like, thinks he's... Okay, so Cass at some point appears as his actual real-life human wife. Yeah. And then he wakes up from, I don't know, seven or eight nested, like, Inception realities and discovers that it's not really... She's not human after all, and he says, I always thought you were pretty or something. Yep. And there's a bit after that where she's fucking with him. Yeah. Really, huh? You think I'm pretty, do you? And it, it was cute. And then that ended up being fake, too. I yeah. wish real cast could have been, like, ribbing him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that, that's more what I want to see. Just like, I want to see it be get... a little... I like, I like when all... Like, every character across the board, I like when they're playful. Mm-hmm. I like when they have a, a friendly enough relationship with another character that they can tease them a little bit. Yeah. That's funny. That, that's I'm... what Bones and Spock were all about. She thinks I'm cute. <laughs> but it was it was a good little moment that, you know, didn't go anywhere because no. it didn't happen. Um, But my, my good thing, there were some fun lines of dialogue. There were. Oh, yeah. And we've said this about Braga before. Little character moments he's actually pretty good at. Yeah. No, and uh, the the doctor's really great in this episode. I unsurprising. I mean, to the shock of no one, but he's got some great lines. He does, and I, I, I'm really surprised you didn't pick. There were a couple that I'm surprised you didn't pick. Mm. One was uh, computer deactivate Tom Paris, <laughs> if only, <laughs> which was great. Yep. Uh, and then at one point, uh, I don't remember if it was him or Barkley who said something Did like, "Did you program him to be, to be this annoying?" Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I think it was the doctor because I think he was talking to Janeway. They go back to the to the pilot, mm-hmm. to the events of the pilot. And he says, um, yes, at some point you will be spirited away by a person called Banjo Man. <laughs> and I was really surprised that wasn't your quote. Oh, that's a good one. Because I guess in the script he was called Banjo Man and Braga wasn't there for that. And he's like, you made a guy called Banjo Man? Well, that's dumb. I'm going to call that out in my script. It was actually legitimately funny. By Banjo Man. Yes, that, by, that by, actually... by an entity called Banjo Man, something like that. My actual, my actual note for that is, uh, wait, are, is the doctor watching, listening to our show? Yeah, that sounds like a joke we would make. No, canonically, that character's name is Banjo Man. <laughs> Banjo Man, Joe. Because they, they didn't say his name on, on screen. Nope. And he is a man holding a banjo. That's the only remarkable thing that sets him apart from the other characters. So he's Banjo Man. <laughs> banjo Man. God damn it. Yep. No, I actually, I ended up going with uh, the, a lot of the doctors uh, just acting in this is really great, too. It is. Uh, um, what did you end up going w- w- with your quote, though? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> after Captain Janeway and the rest of the crew disappears. Computer, what happened to Captain Janeway, Lieutenant Torres, Mr. Neelix, and the Kazon? All holographic simulations were discontinued. Simulations? Computer, I'm talking about real people. Locate Captain Janeway. 
Captain Janeway is stored in memory block 47 Alpha. List all other programs stored in that memory block. This is the entire Voyager crew. Computer, are you saying that the crew is nothing more than a collection of holographic programs? Affirmative. This is ridiculous. There must be something wrong. Yeah, that was good too. Computer, yeah, there, was, there was a lot, and there were there were nice little moments of like, like really, it takes a good actor to do that. Tom Hanks in Castaway thing, and yeah. that, like he had people coming in and out. He had Barkley, he had various members of the crew, but none of them were there for more than a few minutes at a time. Most yeah. of it was him by himself, occasionally talking to the computer, but mostly talking to himself. Mm-hmm. And it takes a really good actor to pull off a mostly solo story. Yeah, and he did it. Like it's him trying to figure out what's going on with a little bit of help, but mostly him. Mm-hmm. No, there's a there's another moment where. Uh, there's a there's a fight scene in uh, the mess hall with Neelix and a Kazon. I was wait. I'm trying to. I'm scanning memory. Fight scene. Was there a fight? Oh yeah. You was there correct. something as exciting as a fight? No. Don't 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 be fooled. Yeah. It's there's some horrible Neelix stuff in here, but we can get to that in a sec. Uh, um. That's... No. Uh. Something happens to the doctor. He gets a scratch on him or something, and Neelix goes, "You're bleeding, doctor." Yeah, he's like, I'm not supposed to bleed, and he he reaches out, looks at the blood on his hand, and then sits down, like just bolts straight up. Yeah, like. Uh. <laughs> yep, and it's nice because one, he's a he's a hologram, and he shouldn't be bleeding, and that freaks him out. Yep. But two, he's a doctor, and he shouldn't be freaked out by the sight of blood. <laughs> oh. So on two different levels, that's funny. Yep. No, and that's the thing. Like, I truly still believe this, that Braga's got a handle on small, funny character moments. Yeah, it's his big... It's the stuff that he is fascinated by that we have no interest in. Yeah, and the stuff when he really comes up with one tiny premise and just keeps hammering at home for half an hour. Well, what if the doctor thought he was a human and everyone else was a hologram? The thing is, there could be a good episode in that idea. I'm not saying the idea itself is terrible. I'm Mm. saying the idea in his hands is terrible. Yeah. Like... It needs to go somewhere from that. The premise is set up in the teaser, and it never goes anywhere for 47 minutes. Yeah. It just runs in place for that long, and there's nothing new there. Yeah, it's like every time you think they're going to do something, instead they just explain stuff again. Or they back up one level of reality, and it was all, but this one's real for sure. Yeah. Wait, nope, no, it's not. And that, that's the way it's. it reminded me of that um, Yeah, you are not uh, wrong. frame of mind. But then you also pointed out that it's a bit like ship in a bottle. Sh- yeah, because at um, the end he's like computer and program or what, no, what, he tries to stick his arm outside. Yeah, there's a that. right at the end of the episode when it's like, okay, now everything's back to normal and you, you, it's what you thought all along. And there's yep. a thing. There's a scene where the doctor's sort of like by himself and he's kind of looking around. And my note like reads, every like every single scene ends in Star Trek ever. Yeah, and my my note is if. If the doctor goes computer ends end program like in ship in a, at the end of ship in a bottle, I'm going to shoot myself in the face. He almost did that though. Yes, he did a version of that, but he didn't specifically do it. So suicide was avoided this week. Good thing. Yeah, it was a I good save. That, I have heard that suicide is painless though. Well, it does bring on many changes. It really does. For one, you're dead. Uh huh. I don't um, know about many changes. There's one big one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um. What was your good thing about this episode? Um, I actually like the uh, cutting back to the first episode stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> I like the I like I like them like uh, replicating the uh, the tricorder medical tricorder. Yep. Wait, I've done all this before. You have we been thrown have we been thrown into the Delta Quadrant by a uh, by some kind of space entity? Yes. Do you have a cancerous growth on your chest? What? Okay, that hasn't happened yet. No, it's 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 good stuff, and they do some interesting because you get to see, like it's it wasn't long enough ago that it's a deep cut. It's still pretty fresh in your mind, especially for us because we only watched it like six weeks ago. Exactly. But yeah, there's some there's some good attention to detail. No, I I like that bit quite uh, quite a lot, and I like Janeway getting pissed off because. Yeah, who are you? Why are you not in sickbay? And who's this guy following you around? I don't have time to explain this to you right now. Well, you better I, make some time, Mr. Yeah. Computer and Janeway. <laughs> Com- look, this is my ship, and there's a guy I don't recognize on it, and also the medical hologram is not working correctly. I, I deserve a couple of answers, I think. 
Also, I, uh, I completely buy Janeway as a person who can identify everyone on her ship on sight. Well, it's only a hundred and some, as we found out last week. Mm. But also, yes. Plus, half of them are dead now. Yes, that's true. No, I just picture her in the weeks leading up to their first mission, her going over, like, flashcards with all the crew. <laughs> Kim, Harold. All right. Doctor, fuck, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody who was st- who, who was going to be on the ship when it left the dock. Yeah, let's and see. is still uh, alive. Cute betazoid that uh, Tom Paris creeped on. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, I don't. Uh, Lieutenant Wildman. No, nah, it's the next episode. <laughs> that is not this episode. That's oh, the Baxter, next. the popular character Baxter. Uh somebody well actually does. Thank you, listener, for well actually and, and and telling us that Baxter was in an episode before. You, your no prize is in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we don't care. Uh, what else? Uh, I don't know. First episode is good. Let me, what are my notes? I like your, oh, good, a mystery, boogity boogity. <laughs> yeah, my, my notes were particularly, you know. Vengeful. I, I don't know, like, I a big part of it for me was the, the big mind-blowing Braga reveal that it's all hologram <laughs> would have worked better had the episode not been called Projections. Yeah, that's, um, Yeah. That's part of the problem. Another part of the problem is Barkley showing up might have been kind of a surprise had it not said starring uh, Red, uh, uh, Dwight Schultz. As, thank you, Dwight yeah. Schultz as Reginald Barkley. Like, don't uh. don't tell me that before he shows up if it's supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, it happened. I I had the same problem with the thirty sevens where mm. it said starring Sharon Lawrence as Amelia Earhart. Like, no, if you're gonna make a big deal out of her reveal and like spelling out her name for us, like, yeah, don't. <laughs> Just say, as Amelia Earhart. It's like, we have a Q episode coming up, and I guarantee they're going to say, starring John Delancey as Q. Like, mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah. It's, it's better when we don't know it's coming. Unfortunately, that's pretty standard for... Uh, oh, I know it is. Like, that's been happening since Next Gen. I know. I don't like it there either. It's like, and such and such, guest starring as Tasha Yar. What? Well, now it's not interesting. <laughs> we we don't care if it's interesting or not. All we care about is the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> yeah, but then you put like, then you put it at the end or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, there's a there's a way to do that to make it you know mm-hmm. to make it work. Well, whatever. It's not like the episode was. It's not like that ruined it for me. Uh, mm. anything else? Well, there no. Was we a- we both getting back to the projections thing. We both figure out in the first. It's like oh, so everyone's like as soon as the doctor doesn't get any uh, readings off of uh, Janeway, it's like oh, so they're both hol- they're holograms. All this is holograms. Every- everyone's hologram, especially knowing that Braga wrote it because I know his fucking yep. tricks. And that's the thing. If you're the guy who does the mind blowing episodes, I can't be able to see. I shouldn't be able to see through your tricks. They should be, you know, you should constantly be changing it up so that we can't guess what you're doing. Mm. Like, if that's your gimmick, then you need to be good at it. Yeah. But. Um, there is a moment, in the, like, uh, right when the, do- like, the first layer of realities, mm-hmm. uh, Balana's explaining to uh, the doctors, like, yeah, we were putting in projectors all over the ship so you don't you aren't just stuck in sickbay. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I like that concept. I think they should be doing that. So the doctor can't really leave sick bay. Maybe we should make it so he can leave sick bay. Well, and we talked about this. Like I, I, I'm gonna. I know that's gonna happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And and I like when it does. But I do think it's it's better to not let it happen for a little while because then it's a big deal when it does. You know, you understand what I mean? Yeah. And I also feel like like I want to I want a moment like the first time he goes into the holodeck and like he can see a tree for the first time. Yeah, I, I want to see that first step out of sick bay. Yeah. No, that'll be great. Yeah. And the thing is not like when you do an episode that that pretends to deliver on something you're waiting to see and then says, "Nope, just kidding." It yeah. it cheapens it when it does happen because we've already seen him on the bridge now. It should be like like last week when we talked about natural light coming in through the ship windows Mm. that's cool like that's sunlight from a planet that's not normal yeah and same with like the doctor being on the bridge that should be like whoa this is incongruous my brain does not expect those two things to go together Mm -hmm. but it doesn't like now we've already seen it so it's not not as it's not exciting anymore so thanks for taking that away from us yeah exactly good job well, you know. Good job, Brandon. Also, Flonk pointed out, uh, I think this past week, when we were 
ranting about Braga. Um, he has written more Star Trek than any single other writer. Well, of course he has. And, and that, that tracks because he worked on more shows. Yep, yep. Like, like, he and Ron Moore should be about even at the end of Voyager and DS9, except then Braga went on to work on Enterprise. So yep. That would put him ahead. So look forward to ghosts in the past in Enterprise. Not only that, but an open uh, disdain, like an open distaste for mm. the original series that he has said many times. Yep. I don't care about old Star Trek. That doesn't interest me. I don't like now it. I'm going to write the prequel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't line up with, uh, you know, classics Trek. I don't care. Yeah. Wow. Which I, I don't like that, but uh, I mean, I can respect it on one level at least. Mm-hmm. But don't then go write stuff that, you know. I'm going to write Star Trek all day. <sighs> I'm still Brandon Braga. I don't think that's what he sounds like. That's exactly what he sounds Trust me on this, okay? I know things. All right. Well, what I know is usually when a, uh, an episode has a title that is not a word we recognize, it's usually not good. It's definitely an episode of Voyager. Elogium. Elogium. I will say this. Yes, uh, the, the elogiums. This show's titles have been better than DS9's titles, which have been like the ship. Yeah, the ship. This is like, hey. The warp engine. <laughs> it's like the exact the opposite. Captain. The yeah. ship versus word you've never seen before. Yep. So, elogium. Mm-hmm. Remember Kess? So do the writers, finally. And we get an episode focused on her. Remember that whole thing about how she's like two years old? Well, now it's time for her to get pregnant, because if there's two things we know about the Delta Quadrant, it's that they have an old truck they like to fix up, as seen last week, and they love babies having babies. So while Kess sensibly spends some time mulling whether perpetuating Neelix's genes is really a smart idea, the rest of the ship is thinking about babies, or at least making them, or at least making out. People are making out, is what I'm trying to say. That transition didn't work out quite as well as I thought it might, and it's really just one couple making out, so I really just whizzed this one right down my leg, didn't I? Anyway, while this is happening and I clean the whiz off my leg, the ship is caught in some kind of bad CGI stampede, because if there's a third thing we know about the Delta Quadrant, it's that everything in it is alive. And eventually they realize the stuff out there wants to fuck, so they, I don't know, put on a dress and pretend to be a sexy CGI creature. Or maybe they start shooting stuff to look like an alpha male. It's been a while since I watched this one, I'll be honest with you. I hate it when we skip a week. So, the ship escapes, because of course it does. Janeway and Chakotay decide that it's okay if the crew wants to make out, which I guess is nice of them, but really, what were you going to do about it? And Cass, upon realizing that Neelix actually wants to be a father, decides against it. I knew there was a reason I liked her. I got an idea in my head of Chakotay patrolling the halls and uh, zapping people with a uh, cattle prod every time they try, they get with they get too close to each other. <laughs> make room, <Hey. laughs> make room for the Holy Ghost. Zap. No fraternization. Zap, zap, zap. I see. I picture him with a fire hose. Oh, that's good. Like oh. like when you hose off two humping dogs. Or what was that movie with Mor- Morgan Freeman with the baseball bat as the principal? Oh, I know the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, right. Or it might have been like a, uh, a paddle or something. Mm, he had some kind of large thing that he was, like, threatening children with. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, history's greatest monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was like a tough love, like, getting the inner city kids in shape thing, as I recall. If you touch each other, I'll hit you with my bat. I'm Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. And I'm Brandon Braga. And you know, I got me doing it. <laughs> Uh, you're only doing it because you know that's what he sounds like. That's I have no evidence of that. Man. You just saw a ton of evidence of it. Me doing it. That's that's uh, the evidence you should take away is that I told you something. I I look, look trust me. What have I ever to... lied to you before? Come on. <laughs> See, this is where we cut away to all those times you lied to me. <laughs> I just like I don't have time to edit all that together, but. Uh... It's too bad. That'd be really funny. Picture it in your mind's eye, everybody. Yes. It's a good scene. It is. It's a great scene. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't hate this episode. You apparently were bored by it. I did not care for it. It was very dull. Okay. That's fair. It was like, I really like the character-driven parts. I like the cast parts. And what I didn't like, this is my bad thing, is everything ties up so neatly. Everything Mm. has everything to do with everything. Like, it's all about breeding. It's all about Kess is her whole thing is they flew into an anomaly and in fairness it wasn't like the usual anomaly where it was like uh and crazy like i thought she was possessed at first because she started acting weird 
And she wasn't. She was just, it kind of, like, triggered a biological process. And, like, that I'm okay with. A weird area of space might accidentally give you a nosebleed or accidentally mm. send you into heat or something Tap like that. Tap into the psychic centers of your brain. That shit happen to, this happens to Kess all the time. I, I That I, I'm a little more hesitant about. But this is just, like... Some like some surge of energy happens in her body that says it's time to make a baby now, and like I could see something in space making that happen. That's mm-hmm. okay. Um, and I like her. Like this actually is my good thing. Uh, Star Trek doesn't really. Do, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Where they try to talk about the issues, they think they do that so well, and they really they don't. Do not. But there was some decent women's issues here. Some decent, like the thought process of having a baby or not having a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, she goes through the whole, like, yeah, but do I want to? Like, we're going away from our home now. Is it a good idea? Do I want to have a baby with Neelix, of all people? Exactly. And I thought it was good. And I've been waiting for them to do something focused on her, and they finally did. Also, I think uh, Jennifer, I don't know how to say it, Lean, Lean? I don't know. I just call her Cass. Yeah, the chick who plays Cass. I thought she did a really good job of first just being weird and like eating bugs and stuff like i like, love fucking weird cats well she's got this creepy manic like just shoveling them into her mouth without even looking at them like yep. rrr, rrr. and it's it's, it's kind of like terrifying it's like pam from archer yeah <laughs> ah bear claws <laughs> she thinks it's cocaine <laughs> coked up pam from archer is one of my all-time favorite characters yep <laughs> um but uh, she, she and then she plays this sort of sweaty, terrified, like, oh, God, what am I going to do? This is not supposed to be happening yet. And, and she's got to make like these important decisions when she is freaking out. Yeah. Is in the like the worst position to make important decisions. Yep. And so, yeah, it's great. Um, So it's, you know, like and, and they do some good makeup on her to make her look like sweaty and kind of just. Yeah, she's got yeah. great uh, eye makeup as the episode yeah, they, goes on. All they do is, because she's got nice sort of brilliant blue eyes, and uh-huh. they change that to some palish color, and it it's really startling because you usually notice her very vivid eyes. Yes. And suddenly they're not there. And he's like, blah. And um, between that and the sweat and her acting, like I liked, I liked her whole arc, but to get back to my bad thing, there's that, and then there's the whole... Um, Janeway and Chakotay talking about, well, should the crew be fraternizing? Should they not be? And then all the aliens in space being this herd of breeding things. Like, everything is about breeding and, yep. and love and sex this week. And it's, it's all way tied up in way too neat of a bun. Yeah, it's very, um, like, there's a way to do that with TV shows that makes sense. And this is just, it. This it kind of feels like it goes a bit too far and makes it super obvious. I just said tied up into a bun instead of a bow. Yeah, no, tied up into a bun. That's a thing. All right. A hair bun. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, tied, I was yeah. thinking about Janeway. There we go. Yeah. No, <laughs> don't, don't say I never did anything for you, man. <laughs> but, like, sometimes when there's a plot and a B plot and they kind of tie together, it's like, well, that was a bit of a reach, but okay. But there's three different things happening. Mm-hmm. And we meet, <laughs> we meet your new favorite character, who, through no actions of this character, is she your new favorite character, but purely based on name alone. Yep, and that name is Lieutenant Wildman! Naomi Wildman. <laughs> Playing the air who guitar! I'm... Also Sliding pregnant. in. Ow! What's up, Captain Janeway? I'm Lieutenant Wildman, and I'm pregnant this fuck! Well, that's the thing. I, that's what I was saying at the end. Then we reveal that she's pregnant. She's not one of the ones making out. Mm-hmm. So there's a fourth thing happening. <laughs> that, that she's pregnant. So sex and making out and love and uh, ah. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, we should be very clear. She's kind of subdued. This she's woman. actually a very uh, yeah. She's a very quiet woman. Yes. And I like what I've seen of her so far. Um, I, I, at least one listener has written in and said, well, good luck. This is happening and this is happening. And Lieutenant Wildman is coming. So maybe she'll be terrible. But so far, I like her. I don't guy. care. I, I literally do just... not. I don't care what any about anything to do with her real character because the one I've invented is so much better. Well, that's and, you know, this, this would not be the first time we've done this. So, nope. you know, what's up? Carry Diam- on. What's up, Diamato? Oh, carry on with my blessing. I just I don't I don't know that there's a lot of meat on that bone. Is that? There wasn't a lot of meat on Armist either. <laughs> and yet. Yep. 
Uh, I'm also Ensign Wildman. I'm pregnant, Captain Janeway. Oh, God. <laughs> so is is uh, Grappler Zorn also like Grappler yeah. Wildman? Grappler Wildman. Yeah. I'm sorry for what I diddly diddly did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not topping that. Oh. Um. Okay, so what was your good thing? I love cast stuff and garbage in her face. I do too, and almost certainly our cover art this week will be one of those because this is great. Like there, it starts with her eating some beetles. There's a uh, the shot where uh, Neelix goes and visits her in her quarters, and she's hidden a bunch of food in the closet, so he won't well, know we, that. We she... open the scene with her like she's got like ten bowls spread out on a table and just like. She's basically reenacting the uh, Mr. Creosote scene. Yeah, exactly. And then and then her doorbell rings and says, like, "Oh shit, I gotta hide all this." Yep. <laughs> Neelix brings her flowers, which she eats. Yep. And just the epi- the scene ends with him taking her to sick bay. She's like, "I don't need to go to sick bay. I'm not sick. I just can't stop eating." Yeah. And the doctor says what we kind of suspected, which is her body is like uh, missing some nutrients. Mm. And, like that's what happens when people crave weird shit. Usually. Yeah. Is your body needs like the stuff that is in those foods that you are deficient in. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's but, all it is. <laughs> when he picks but Neelix her... freaks out and like, no, you gotta you gotta go to sickbay right now. It's a super emergency. Oh god. And then like she's in sickbay and he's just pacing around like Oh, you have to do something. Well, her things are out of alignment. You have to realign them. She's not getting enough stuff. Like, get her more stuff. And yep. she's like, Shut up, Neelix. Shut the fuck up. Shut your stupid you know, face. You know I'm doing a life-saving procedure on this other crewman. Well, I don't care because my my girlfriend is eating dirt. This takes priority. Yep, that's definitely the most important thing happening. Yeah, and even Cass is like, no, it's fine. Just let me eat dirt. Yeah, what's the problem? It's like, not poison dirt. I checked. Yeah. Maybe like, I just I like am, dirt. I am studying medicine right now, mm-hmm. so I know how to use a tricorder to scan if something's poison. Yep. That's pretty basic stuff. I like the doctor going, oh, you're, <laughs> this is stuff you're deficient in. And she goes, I'm def- my body's deficient in dirt? Yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> I'm not getting enough dirt? Well, have you gotten any dirt before today? I guess that's true. Yeah, I've never yeah. gotten any dirt before. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm dating basically dirt, but... <laughs> Which really brings us to your bad thing. Yeah, um, so we need to talk about this, and I'm going to try and be as, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, tactful as possible. Well, no, you can you can use the word you were using, I just think we shouldn't maybe drill into that too far. But, um, this has started to make me really uncomfortable. So we have confirmation in this episode that Kess is not even one year old. No, 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 she's not even two. She's like Not even two, okay, she's like one and a half. She's... Yeah. Fucking and but what is there like? I need to while you're talking, I'm gonna look up her her life expectancy because I don't think it's yeah, more than nine. I believe it's eight or nine years. I think so too. Um, but so, but anyway, like th- we've talked about this since the beginning that her relationship with Neelix is kind of creepy, um, yep. and it is for a number of reasons. Um, so like I said, we have confirmation now she is not even two. Um and. You know, before this episode, I was willing to give that the benefit of the doubt because she's got that weird reduced aging. But we also have confirmation in this episode that she has not gone through puberty yet, something that happens in the third or fourth year. That means that Neelix has basically taken a underage uh, character from her planet and is now dating her. I am I have real problems with that. I see. uh, Okay, they compare it to to puberty, but. Puberty is the start of sexual maturity yeah. in humans and ends up like you develop your sexual characteristics and da 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 da. She's already got boobs. Mm-hmm. She's already got what uh, seems to be an adult voice. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's already developed those characteristics, I would say. Yeah. And I put it to you that this is more like being in heat. I, I could see that if they didn't in the episode compare it to going through puberty. Like that's kind of my point. Well, that's the thing. Okay, they, and I did look not... it up, and it does say it does say nine years. Yeah, they, there is which... a way to go around this where it's not creepy and disgusting, and Voyager has decided not to go that direction. That that I will grant you, but I don't think she's necessarily underage is kind of what I'm saying. I get a real vibe off on that, and I guess she's not, like, doing kid stuff. It's not like she plays with toys or anything. But right. But it's still really unpleasant to me. 
No, like I, I get as it. this episode goes on and they're getting more and more into like should should Neelix be the father of her baby and like are, are they going to bond and all this crap? I started getting really legitimately uncomfortable about this episode. Well, I just don't think he should breed because he's terrible. Well, no, and the other thing is they keep bringing up the like it's like hey, I can't do this because Neelix will be jealous. Well, that's that's really where it comes in, but. I wanted to talk about this real quick. Okay, mm. so their lifespan is nine years. Yes. Let's say she's a year and a half old, which I think is about what she's supposed to be. She's about a sixth of the way through her life. Mm-hmm. So real quick, I just crunched the numbers. Like average life expectancy for a human female right now is 74. So a sixth of that is 12. So she's the equivalent of age 12. So yeah, it is creepy. Yep. All right, good. Like, and maybe my math is wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm All pretty right. sure she's about 12 or 13. Yeah, but so this is worrying yeah and but the jealousy thing really like we could we could go back and forth on the is neelix a pedophile thing and and it's all very uncomfortable because our natural tendency is to make jokes and i don't want to make tasteless jokes about pedophilia really that's not but funny well <laughs> it's funny to a certain crowd but we're trying to make the show a little more sensitive yeah just, just a little just we're a, still a talking touch. about neelix's cock all the time all the time which has been pointed out to me. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if we mention Scott Zioko and his favorite episode time and again more than we mention Neelix's penis. Uh, he does love sure. that episode time and again. He really does. Hi, Scott. He's not going to be on here until like season six, so I'm pretty sure I'm just going to keep. Yeah, but he also play, I also play D and D with him once a week, so I'm trying to keep him sweet. Ah, excellent. <laughs> so he doesn't kill you all the time. That guy has a lot of control over whether my character lives or dies. So ah, yeah. Fair um, but uh, apart from the is Neelix a pedophile thing, which is problematic at best, at best, there is the legitimate thing about him being super, super jealous of everyone he's, all the yeah, time. Yeah, he's also a creepy, over like, uh, overprotective, super jealous boyfriend. It's it's a bit like Odo. Yeah, except worse. It's worse, and also <laughs> he doesn't have the privilege of being liked like Odo. Yeah, that, and also Odo didn't really human very well. No. Neelix has no excuse. Like, yeah, he's not literally a human, mm-hmm. but he's not alien enough to, to pass. Like, like Odo is from a liquid people, from a liquid planet, and has never met another person like him yeah. before. Odo had never Neelix, been in a relationship before this, right. before Neelix Kira. Like, presumably has. He yeah. fought in a war. Yep. Or ran away he, from a war or he's whatever. He's cowered from a war. Yeah. But he's been through some life stuff. Uh-huh. He lived on his own planet with his own people. Presumably he dated at some point. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that, well, he doesn't know what he's doing excuse. Mm-hmm. He's just creepy. No, he's been around the block a few times. Probably. In his in his white van shuttlecraft, oh, God. as you said. Yes, I have a lot of puppies in the back. Would you like to see them? <laughs> I, I brought you some candy. But see, while I don't like that, like I... I don't think it's bad writing. No. Like, it's one of those, like, uh, Kai Wynn things mm-hmm. where it's, like, horrible, and I don't want to know anyone like that in real life, but it makes for some interesting drama because what I'm talking about is Kess's, her, her conflict. Mm-hmm. Do I want to have a child or not? They try to pass it off on Neelix. They try to say, well, do I want a child? And when he comes back to her and says, I think I do, she's like, uh, you know what? This isn't your call. It's my call, and yeah. I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that it goes back on her. I know? would be okay with that kind of drama if anyone ever called Neelix on being a creep, but no, like, on a creepy boyfriend, but no one ever seems to do that either. Like, no one ever seems to be like, you're really jealous. That's not okay. They're just like, well, well that's Neelix. He's really jealous. What are you going to do? It's however, just one more wacky thing from this wacky guy. However, I will say, uh, my quote mm. is Tuvok calling him out for some bullshit. Yep. Which is Neelix going on and on about, I, well, I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a son. He's like, well, what about a daughter? Uh, I don't want a daughter. And Tuvok says this. Now that I think about it, it might be fun to have a little guy around. We could do a lot together. I've got quite a bit I could teach a boy, you know. Survival methods. Piloting skills. Romantic techniques. <laughs> yeah. If you say so. But I must point out that there is an equal chance that you would have a daughter. A daughter? 
I don't have anything to teach a daughter. Why would it be any different from what she would teach a son? It just would. She'd learn more from her mother. I have three sons and one daughter. I can assure you she benefits as much from my presence and guidance as my sons do. It is unfortunate. I must be so far removed from all of them now. Like, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Nice job, Tuvark. And it's not a human saying that either. Put that like, gross he's... squirrel monster in his place. Is that what he is? He's a gross squirrel monster. A squirrel clown. Mm-hmm. Squirrel clown, yeah. With a, with a thing for children. Hey, kids, I'm Squirrely the Clown. Oh, I didn't, that didn't make it better. Oh. No. <laughs> nope. I'm full of regrets now. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. No. Just is, but is there really anything like I like the character stuff in there in general because Cass, it feels like she's always kind of trying to be diplomatic with him. She knows he's awful and it, she doesn't feel beaten down exactly. Not really. Like it's it, like it's not it like more she... feels like she just rolls her eyes at it and says, "Well, I'm not going to put up with this, but I'm also not going to start an argument about yeah. it." Yeah, because she doesn't put up with it. No, that's the thing. She doesn't take it from him. She just doesn't argue about it. She just kind of deflects it. It's just like, whatever. But but I I need to be clear. At no point do I feel like she's a victim. No. Which I think is what would make this way worse. You know what I mean? Like, she seems to handle it. She just handles it so diplomatically that you barely notice it. Mm -hmm. But she never never really takes it. But in any case, I think that's about all we have to say about that plot. I want to talk about some of the others a little bit. There's... Okay. They do actually, like, I like the idea of talking about should the crew be allowed to fraternize. Mm-hmm. That's that's an important story on any, like, starship on an extended mission, but it's especially important here because these people are the only people they have. Yeah, no, this is this is pretty much it until we get home. Like, all jokes about not getting home fast enough notwithstanding, they're not staying in one place for very long, and the only permanent people in everyone's lives are each other. Yeah. So if you want... You want a companion? These hundred and some people are what you got. Yeah, and I mean, like that also, like that raises some problems of its own too. It's just like, well, you know, if this breakup goes badly, like you still and Chicote, you can't actually says that with someone. Yeah, which I was a good point that he brought up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the character's still boring, but (laughs) he actually brings up. He's like, yeah, but like, what if it goes bad? Then what? Yeah, it's. We're gonna, like, like, you know, if you're going to enter a relationship on this ship, you need to be aware of the fact that if it doesn't work out, you can't just, you can't just cut you, a, cut the other person out of your life. Oh yeah, that that was I wrote it down because he said it. They can't just transfer away. Yeah. Like yeah, on on another ship they might do that. They might like this breakup was real bad. The next time I'm up for review, I'm going to ask well, if they can. Yeah, that's what happened ship. to Picard's girlfriend. Yeah. Like she transferred off the Enterprise because she couldn't work with him anymore. But. That episode did establish that it's fine. It's allowed. Mm-hmm. The most important guy on the ship can date someone underneath him. That means everyone can do it, I assume. Yep. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, because the biggest conflict of interest would be the captain. Mm-hmm. So if the captain's allowed to do it, then I assume everyone is. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, and But what I really like about all this is Janeway's first reaction to... Chakotay comes up to her on the bridge. They, they're, it's a big bridge. Like, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, just how big that set is. Yes. Because I noticed this a couple weeks ago. They shot from the back, and it's huge. Mm-hmm. But what that means is you can you can kind of have a side conversation, and not everyone hears you. And they're having this whole conversation, like, just between themselves. And, and Chakotay's like, I, I caught Ensign whatever, and Ensign whoever. Probably Baxter, that character everyone knows. Uh, the beloved character Baxter. Who everyone's constantly talking about. Mm. Thank you for correcting us, listener. And uh, and I don't know, Wild Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's two characters. Maybe we've seen them before. Maybe we haven't. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're and, gold um, shirts. So yeah, um, probably one of Bellana's people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and Chakotay's like, hey, these, these two are making out. And and Janeway gets this grin. It's just like, Aw. Like, were they? That's that cute. Is awesome. But she also like, and and that's her attitude through the whole thing is mm. let them, let them. They're young. They wanna, they wanna mess around. That's fine. Like, and it's never creepy or anything. It's just kind of like, oh my, like, cause she's so worried about everyone getting along. I feel like that's a win for her. They're really getting along yeah. now. It's like, yeah, good work. My like, plan worked I mean, perfectly. I I wanted family, but this is the next best thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it could be a type of family. No, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> we already talked about pedophilia. I wasn't going to go there as well. Yeah. But uh, well, it, we it's... we know how much you enjoy incest, so. Oh yeah, lots mm-hmm. is the answer. Um, it's just it's I like her attitude through the whole thing, and but on top of that, she's got this. She's always had that hope that that hopeful we're gonna get home thing, mm-hmm. but she's got some really sort of like sad, like. I don't know. She's she's looking at a picture of of her boyfriend or fiance. I don't remember if it's fiance or just boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, I know it's not husband. Uh, Mark, and uh, her dogs. Which in the pilot she said, you know, watch my dogs. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. And at first she's like, yeah, I hope Mark's still waiting for me. And then at the end she says something like, yeah, Mark's probably not waiting for me. Like it's, it, but she says it in a way that's kind of funny and sad yeah. at the same time. I don't remember the line exactly. No, it's good though. But it was, it was like, yeah, mm. yeah, we're probably done, and I'm really lonely out here. Yeah. It was kind of funny. I hope I don't end up having sex with Chakotay. Mm, well, you know. I just, Somebody's I've seen gone. a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of pairings of those two on Tumblr, and it's just like, oh, really? Why? Well, this episode, this episode sort of hints, not exactly, but I think, I don't know, I, I Brian actually mentioned this to me. Mm. And I think other people see this as well. I didn't see it, but I get where you where you can gather this. There, there's a vibe. It's it's her vibe of like, oh, they're making out, and sort of a mom and dad are looking at what's happening on the ship thing. And I can see maybe seeing that as the beginning of them getting together. Yeah. I don't want that, and I don't really see it. Don't but really see the point of that. You know, you can just as easily have sex with you know a piece of wood. <laughs> Or presumably there are, you know, like functional sex toys in the future. This we is, have them now. This is way better than Chakotay. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Um, but I, I, um, like in general, I just, I kind of like that little subplot. I just, again, I didn't like that all the stories were about exactly the same thing. Yeah. Which takes us to the, the creatures outside the ship. Yeah, the space maggots that are alive. Mm. I see that. I don't know how many times are we going to see stuff that just lives. In Everything space? in like space keep... is alive. Okay, mm. uh, space is full that. of planets you can live on, and those planets themselves are alive. And one of them is a Green Lantern. Yeah, he doesn't socialize. No. Um, I, but it's it it's so much like. Oh God! What was that episode? I don't remember the title right now. The next gen episode with the baby with... that, uh, like when the yeah. the, the Leah the, Brahms was in the that. baby attaches itself to the ship, right? Right. Yeah, same thing, basically. Yeah, it, and uh, the uh, the Farpoint station from Farpoint. Yes. Same thing. Space jellyfish. Oh no! <laughs> and, and so on. Like they they keep doing it, and it's like okay, and it is an old school sort of Star Trek classic thing. Oh yeah, I well I mean you know Space Amoeba, Doomsday right. Machine, all that kind of crap. Right, but I don't know. It just it always feels the same. Like it doesn't feel like they're really putting a new spin well, on. Well, it, it's because every time it happens, it's like oh, it's feeding on the ship. Yeah, it's doing a thing that's just like a normal biological process. Only now it's endangering. Yeah, I, I like I've seen this. I've seen this and seen this and seen, and I've seen it better too. Well, it is. There are aspects of it that are kind of cute, but I would I, I prefer not to see it at all. Yeah. But there are some like, I I think it was all written to give Tuvok the stupid but funny line, Captain. We appear to have lost our sex appeal. <laughs> Which speak for yourself, <laughs> Mister Tuvok. Oh, oh. <laughs> is that her with her sex toy again? Yep. Okay, just making making sure. I. Is she using that in her creepy Victorian uh, nanny? I'm almost certain. Like when she gets to the final boss, and the final uh, boss is having sex with like the Duke or right, exactly. whatever the fuck he is. Yeah. Gotta have um, sex with a Duke. Yep, with Duke from GI Joe. <laughs> hey, Duke's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that's the kind of stupid I like. That line they gave Tuba. Yeah. Like. Uh, okay, if you're going to be dumb, at least be campy and funny about yeah. it. But uh, uh, the rest of it was just kind of like a... Yeah, whatever. Really, yeah. Eh. 
Uh, anything else? No, I think that's about it. I think eh, whatever is a good summation of this episode. Like I said, I like the Kespits. I've been waiting, yep. and it's probably just because I've been waiting to see something from that character mm. when we finally did. And for someone to say, ew, Neelix. Yeah, ew. Like, I was, I, that's one of those characters where it's like, why does everyone not like him? He seems fine. This is why. I get it now. He's creepy. Yeah, he's gross. I mean,. Your interpretation of his creepiness may be a little further than mine. I look, I'm just working with what they give me. That's true. It's not like you invented that. No. It's I do in <laughs> the things I invent enhance the episodes. Like Lieutenant <laughs> Wildman. Ow. Yes, exactly. Uh so that's it for this week. Next week is I just checked, we don't have any guests, but if one of them's written by Brandon Braga, I quit. You don't quit. I, no, I can't quit. I still get one where I don't have to show up, though, because you had one of those a while back. Yep. So That's your call. I'm, I'm not using it this early. Keeping that one in your back pocket. We still got... we st and, and I never used a bucket episode for uh, DS9, so I should get two. Yeah, you get two bucket episodes. What was your bucket episode for TNG? Uh, Bever fucks a ghost. That was a good one, yeah. yeah was, well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's a good use of a bucket, though. That's true. I'll give you that. Yep. Uh, our website, as ever, postatomichorror.com. You want to email us, postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, and that is it. Mm -hmm. We'll be back next time. Yeah. So, see you, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.